Hi there, you're with Eva Shearlink, um, the CEO of the Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees, and we're coming live today from the Conference of Major Super Funds on the Gold Coast. My guest today is Shundran Thomas, the President of Northern Trust Asset Management in the United States. Welcome, Shundran. Thank you. Um, so you're speaking at our conference today on a session on culture. Culture is just the hot topic in Australia post-Royal Commission, um, but presumably it's a, it's a topic that's of importance right around the world. What do you think? Well, it's certainly of importance, and it's interesting. It's sort of a return to the uh, past uh, from the future, because if you think about how you build really strong organizations, one of the most important tools that we have is being really intentional about culture. And I think given some of the things that occur, not just here in Australia, but you think about around the world, some of the things that we experience, if you go back a decade ago in the U.S. with the financial crisis and those things, I think there have been precipitating events that have gotten us refocused on the importance of culture and being intentional about culture. Okay. So leaders obviously have a very significant impact on culture. So the way that they interact with their teams is, is incredibly important. How do you lead your organization? Well, there are a couple of things that I think are important. So I start with what are the principal responsibilities of a senior executive or certainly someone in a role like the privilege of the role that I have? First and foremost, it's to set a clear and compelling vision. So you have to say an organization is not just moving haphazardly. Hopefully it's moving towards some intended end. The second thing is to be very clear on the common or shared mission that you have. The third thing, and this really speaks very closely to the conversation we have around culture, which is establishing and identifying what are the shared values within your organization. So the things that are commonly held and accepted beliefs, but also that point the organization to the standards and identify within the organization what we view as being important. And that all comes back to what we often talk about in terms of a primary focus, which I think is actually really the outgrowth, uh, which is the behaviors. And so if you're clear on the vision, where you're going, what the shared purpose or mission is, and you have a clear sense of what the accepted values and commonly held beliefs are, I think the outgrowth of that is good actions or good behaviors. Yes. But how do you deal with a situation when people are not demonstrating the behaviors that you want to see? Well, the first thing that you do, and I really feel strongly about this point, you have to look in the mirror. Because culture, while we all as part of a, a collective or an organization contribute to it, culture is principally driven from the top. So from a leadership standpoint, you have to ask yourself, what are the signals we've sent in terms of what's important, the standards we set, what we model in terms of the behaviors, what do we say either explicitly or implicitly to people, this is important. I think the second thing you have to look at is the level of engagement. I can tell you any place where you see that you have cultural challenges, what you often find is low levels of engagement among the employees or higher levels of apathy. Because what you actually need is highly engaged employees that actually care about the reputation of the organization, about the welfare of the organization, and about the value proposition and the promise we have to stakeholders. The final thing that I think about is what is the quality of governance, and by governance, I mean sort of the big G, not just who oversees, say, the senior leaders like myself, whether it's a board or a set of trustees, but also people who sit in independent positions like compliance, and risk management, right? Because all those things work together to ensure that you have the right practices and policies that are ensuring the kind of behaviors that you want. Yeah. 
So how do you include that as part of your recruitment process then to make sure you get the right people? So, and I think this is really important. One of the things that we have literally done within our organization, within asset management, within Northern Trust, is when I had the opportunity to transition into the president's role about a year and a half ago, we took that as an opportunity to say, let's refresh our vision, our strategy, and our values. So if you were to go across our organization today, you would commonly find people would talk to you very competently about our five shared values. We talk about the importance of passion. We talk about the importance of competence in what we do, the value that intellectual curiosity brings, diversity, and finally, the one that drives them all, humility. Well, one of the things that you want to do when you're recruiting people, we, we're trained to look for sort of the technical or the hard skills, but what about, in a sense, the soft skills? What is their commitment to working in a team-based environment? Are they really themselves modeling these kind of values that we articulate as shared values? Because if that's the case, one, you know that they'll be likely a good fit in the culture, but they're more inclined to accept what we're putting forth as the expected not only values, but the norms and behaviors of the organization. So we actually really instill that even into the interviewing process when we're evaluating candidates. Right. Okay. Because it's a very difficult thing to assess, I think, in a new candidate because people can obviously find what your values are on your website right. um, and then they pay lip service to that. Yes. How do you, you know, how do you ensure that you're really, really testing that you're bringing the right people into a business? Because once you, once they're in, right. it's obviously very diff- much more difficult um, to move on people that might not fit the culture properly. Right. Well, I think there are two parts of it. So the, one of the things I would say, it's interesting that uh, you have two, two, two goes at it. One is when they're coming in, right? And again, to your point, there's only so much you can assess in, in a sense in a finite period of time of interviews. But what we often concentrate on is not just asking people questions to sort of hear a nice anecdote, but actually getting people to give tangible examples of ways in which they either show or model uh, those kind of behaviors, having more of a, a, a piercing dialogue into why those values are important to them and how they demonstrate them uh, in various walks of their life. So I think there are ways that you can have a more substantive set of questions. And we actually have done more in the way of actually training our managers on how to interview. Because that's another thing. Many firms actually have plenty of people doing interviews with actually no preparation or training. Mm. Now, the second thing is when people come in, people have an open emotional loop. They actually want to be part of a social culture. So if we are really reinforcing these values, if people see that we are not only walking the talk, but what I like to say, talking the walk, they actually believe that is an accepted set of norms and values. And what you will find, because we're social beings, right, we will work to comport ourselves to those behaviors. But if they frankly come in the organization and see that you've only talked it, but you don't walk it, it's not reinforced then there is not that actual buy-in and that, that folding into sort of the norms or behaviors that we want to accept. That's right. And that goes to the nub of what culture is. Yes. Um, do you have any stories, I guess, of watching an organization transform its culture? So going from a negative to a more positive culture. Yes. Uh, so one of the things I would say is I've had the, 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 the privilege of outside of my own organization serving on boards of various organizations. Uh, and uh, I, I remember a particular instance in coming into an organization where I was serving as a trustee, and it was coincident with the time we had just brought in a new president of the organization. 
And what I would say, it was not a situation where I would say it was, quote unquote, a bad culture in terms of you had uh, illicit or illegal behavior. But it wasn't a healthy culture in terms of things like its embrace of diversity and inclusion. It had low levels of engagement from its employees, uh, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the only reasons I actually took on the mandate, because I was encouraged by the leader that they were bringing into the organization. What things did I see very quickly? First of all, this leader modeled vulnerability and transparency. And he didn't necessarily turn over a lot of the leadership. He made a couple of key moves. But I saw a responsiveness to people who were already in that organization to this new, in a sense, embracing of openness and candor and transparency. So that was the first thing. So you saw almost overnight a transformation of some of the senior most people and how they engaged with each other. The second thing is there was a high embrace of diversity and inclusion. Because one of the things that the organization was struggling from is what they had done is reproduced a lot of the same kinds of individuals, same experience, same mindset. And that can accommodate or make a complicit culture. But when you bring people in from different backgrounds, different perspectives, we focused a lot on things like gender diversity. It actually had very positive uh, uh, influence in the culture. Last thing I would say that they did well, and I think we were able to help from the standpoint of the board, is they measured important things like employee satisfaction and engagement and those things and showed a true commitment to really delivering a positive value proposition for the employees. Great. So when do you know that the organization in a that, sorry, that the culture in an organization is right. How do you know that they've got it right? You know, I think there are a number of things that people might point to, but, but here's what I, I look at. I, I like to drill it down to the least common denominator. So culture is made up of people. And so when you're measuring things at the individual level, right? One, how does the employee genuinely mm. feel about and experience uh, the workplace? What is their level of commitment to the company, but more so the company or the enterprise or the entity, their commitment to the promise to stakeholders. You can't measure that. And one of the things that you see is if you see over time that you're getting much higher levels of engagement from the employees, that there is a sense of pride uh, in terms of not only the company or the enterprise that they work for, but the work that they do. If you see that they're willing to, I like to say, make those efforts that you can't compensate them for and their day-to-day -day activities, those kind of things really indicate that you're really moving positively along the lines of culture. I think it's also important uh, to point out measures that are so coincident with. So when I see organizations where there are high levels of diversity and inclusion, high levels of candor, and in organization when you're measuring those things and you see positive moves, I see those being highly coincident with healthy cultures and cultures that have strong uh, environments of compliance and things that you would want in a positive overall culture. Great. Oh, well, I think I'm really looking forward to our session um, later this morning. It should be a fascinating um, discussion on culture. Um, thank you so much for your insights today. Thank you.